is up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast. Happy Monday. Week 5 is almost in the books. The NFL season rolling right along. A crazy week around the NFL. I am Will Brinson. I am your host of this daily NFL podcast. You can subscribe, rate, and review. Unsubscribe, resubscribe. Apparently, if you do that, it vaults us in the rankings. It worked last week. Every time you listen to a show, just do it. I feel like a jerk asking. I don't care. I make these other three fools do this podcast with me on Sunday night anyway, so I'm already a jerk. Ryan Wilson, John Breach, Sean Wagner, McGuff. What's up, fellas? Brunson, every time someone subscribes, you have to drink a beer, right? It's like every time a <laughs> yeah. sing or angel gets its wings. Yeah, I, I, I drink one beer for every subscription. I'm dead. I am currently dead. Um, I am sort of struggling today, but that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, it sounds I sound a little like nasally, like I might be coming down with something. Maybe that's the issue. Uh, Sean, however, high energy. Sean has been. Um, Drinking regular Coca Colas for six straight hours to get super hyper for this podcast. Are you excited, Sean? You know what? I actually had a couple glasses of milk earlier today, so I'm feeling especially strong and ready to roll. Ryan, of course, wearing some sort of bizarre hipster gear in his basement. What's going on? That's Ryan? right. Got to keep it real for the uh, old timers. By the way, breaking news: We're recording this right after Bill O'Brien crapped his britches and somehow still won the game. He says, uh, going one for five in the red zone, it's bad, quote-unquote. So there you have it. (laughs) Well, let's start with that. Sunday Night Football, the Texans escape in overtime, defeating the Dallas Cowboys. What was that final score? 1916. 1916. That's right. Went to overtime. It's 16-all, a real scorcher between two historically great franchises in the state of Texas and two incredible coaches in the NFL. Sean, if you keep typing, I'm going to come to Oakland. Um, Our our boss is asking us a question in Slack. I'm sorry. I have the courtesy to respond to him so he can go home. Um, At any rate, two legendary coaches, Bill O'Brien and Jason Garrett, both desperately want a coach to win. John Bree, actually, Ryan Wilson, I'll ask you first. Who's the worst coach, Jason Garrett or Bill O'Brien? Uh, I mean, this was like uh, a fest, a who's the worst coach fest. And you know what? Normally, I would say Jason Garrett under these circumstances, but it is absolutely Bill O'Brien. Him saying they struggled in the red zone doesn't do justice to what actually happened. They didn't just get in the red zone. They got inside the five-yard line five times in that game and only scored one touchdown. Can you even imagine that? That doesn't even seem possible. Like, uh, Steve Sarkeesian would have to run your offense for that to happen. Five times inside the five-yard line, they kicked three field goals. They lost a fumble. I mean, it was just embarrassing. Bill O'Brien should just blow everything up and start over. Uh, they shouldn't have won this game, and I, I kind of wish they hadn't because it was just so rough to watch. I can't even remember the last time a team got inside the five-yard line five times and only scored one touchdown. That's Texas football for you. <laughs> Not even that, but listen, at the end of the first half, uh, Dak had thrown an interception. They get down. It was uh, fourth and one inch, literally one inch for the cat for the Texans. They would have gone up seventeen to six, I believe, if they got over if they scored. So fourth down, uh, what do they do? They go and shotgun with Deshaun Watson, who clearly is not afraid to take a hit. I mean, he took about twenty five hits on Sunday night. It looks like his ribs his his ribs his ribs might be <laughs> bruised uh, from taking all those hits. So they put him in shotgun and they run some crazy pass play. The end zone is packed full of Cowboys, and he throws incomplete. It was never going to happen. Uh, same thing ten minutes ago, I believe, in the fourth quarter, the score was tied. They had it inside. I think it was uh, first and goal at the one yard line. Uh, shotgun. 
Um, finally put him under center on second down. He didn't go anywhere. On first down, it was shotgun. He ran the ball for, for no gain. Third down, shotgun again, tries to throw and throws incomplete. So naturally, instead of going forward this time, Bill O'Brien learns his lesson and he kicks. And, and Breach is exactly right. This actually gives Bill O'Brien uh, evidence uh, to, to convince himself that, you know what, I should keep calling these stupid plays, putting my quarterback in positions to fail, and uh, everything will work out because they've now won two games in a row, uh, two games in a row for the first time since 2016. I am uh, generally anti goal line fade, but I feel like the Texans with DeAndre Hopkins would have been better off if every play inside the 10 yard line would, would have just been a What about if you go to the, go, What if you go under center and run the ball? How about that? Well, that too. I'm also anti just running up the gut and goal line, but I feel like the play calling was so bad. Doing either of those two options would have been better than what they were doing, running these like sweeps to the corner with Watson and getting him killed, who's coming off a torn ACL. It just it wasn't just bad play calling. It seemed like he was putting his quarterback at risk the entire night. And Watson, I don't know if you want to call it foolish or bravery or whatever, he just he wouldn't go down. It, it, he was seeking out contact. It, it was just a disaster from the point of view of not scoring and also putting your most important player um, in a position to get hit over and over again. The, the Deshaun Watson stuff reminded me of RG3. Like, in his second year, or even his rookie season, where it's like, alright, this is amazing to watch, but dude, you are gonna take enough hits where you're not gonna finish the season, and the Texans are gonna end up with a top five pick again. They had to give it away last year, cause they trade for Deshaun Watson. Um, they're not a good football team. They've won back-to-back games, as Ryan said, for the first time since 2016. They also won back-to-back games in overtime, and they also won back-to-back games, uh, in a situation where a coach had to make a fourth down decision, and ultimately, Hooked the, hooked them up by, by, with his, with the, with, with the way that the outcome ended up. But last week, at least it was Frank Wright going for it on fourth down in overtime. This week, Jason Garrett, who's a coward, an absolute <laughs> coward, he gets the ball on fourth and inches near midfield in overtime. When his team is two and two, has invested in their offensive line, drafted a running back in the in the top five overall picks, has one of the five best running backs in the league, and has a six two, two hundred and forty pound quarterback, and he punted the ball. He's a coward. Get out of here, Garrett. If you want, it was Jerry, actually the Texans. It was a Texans forty two yard line. It wasn't even midfield, so he's no, on, on the Texans really? side of the field. Uh, it was five and a half minutes to go, I think, in, in overtime. And his his uh, best bet for winning that football game in overtime was to punt it, and he deserves exactly what he got. It was Houston's forty-two. What a coward! Get yeah, out of here, I, Jason I just said that. <laughs> I know, but I just didn't believe you. Like I couldn't, like I couldn't fathom that it yeah, was that. That's close. Jason Garrett one hundred and one. The good news, however, is that the Cowboys look exactly like the Rams' offense, so there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the NFC East is terrible. The Eagles lost again. Uh, the Giants are Giants lost again. They're awful. And the Cowboys are terrible too. I think the Redskins are pretty good. Um, Philly, Philly's gonna end up winning that division because they'll beat Washington late. I'm sure, I'm, I'm certain of that, uh, that that will happen. Uh, more impressive win. Chiefs or the Rams, Sean? I'm gonna go with Chiefs because I feel like for these last couple of weeks, we kept on circling these games as, oh, this is when Mahomes and the Chiefs come crashing back down to earth. And they just haven't done that in, Mahomes' numbers weren't spectacular. They weren't even good if you just are looking at the stat line and pass rating and all that. He also averaged eight yards per attempt or a little bit over eight yards per attempt. Um, he threw his first two picks. One of those picks, though, came with eight minutes left in the game when it was already decided. I thought he was really good against maybe the best defense in football, and I thought the most important thing is that the Chiefs showed that 
they can rush the passer. I think they're averaging three sacks per game right now. D Ford has really come alive. He had a strip sack. Um, he forced a Bortles interception. Um, and I guess the flip side of this is I thought this game showed why the Jaguars might not be uh, a contender. And it's because if they go up against a team that can put them in an early hole, they're not winning the game throwing the ball 62 times with Blake Bortles, which, by the way, is what they did, which is um, unforgivable, especially considering they were going up against a defense that I think entered the game allowing 5.7 yards per carry. And the Jaguars actually ran the ball well. They averaged 5.9 yards per carry, and they just abandoned the run super early. It was only 10 nothing midway through the second quarter. It wasn't a blowout right away until they started forcing the ball with Bortles downfield. Jaguars are now four and th- no, three and fourteen in Blake Bortles' career when he attempts more than forty passes, and that's not an anomaly for like Blake Bortles. This happens all the time with quarterbacks, where if they attempt a lot of passes, their teams usually lose. But if you're asking Blake Bortles to throw the ball sixty-one times, you're not going to win. That means you're not running the ball. They ran, I mean, TJ Yeldon had ten carries for fifty-three yards. What are you doing? And they kept taking vertical shots, like they'd seen something, like Nathaniel Hackett had seen something early, and the Chiefs got up big on them. And I thought the Chiefs' defense was pretty impressive. Um, I, I, I would agree with you; it's a more impressive win. And they, they ended up coming away thirty to fourteen against a good Jaguars team. Uh, but I, I really was impressed by what the Rams did too, because they, uh, you know, they go into Seattle, they lose Cooper Cup, they lose Brandon Cooks to concussions. Um, you know, they they have to go for it on fourth down, as we talked about late in the game. Uh, they send Jared Goff in the offense back out. He quarterback sneaks. He get the first down. You ice it with a minute thirty nine left, and just now they're three and a half games up on the on the Seahawks in the NFC West. That division's over. Yeah, I think for me, the reason why I said Chiefs is just because uh, I think I expected the Rams to do what they did, whereas I think the Chiefs, you could have made an You're argument wrong. that You're wrong. they should have you lost. You are wrong. I'm always I'm wrong. Just, I'm just kidding. But uh, Jared Goff, I thought, played really well. And again, kind of like with Mahomes, he has those two picks, and it kind of skews his stat line. But he also averaged 10 yards per attempt on the road in Seattle. Um, so I, I, th- I thought the Rams were really impressive, and very clearly these are the two best teams in football, right? I think so. John? Uh, well, I highly disagree with you guys that the Chiefs win was more impressive. As a matter of fact, I thought the Chiefs win was crap. What we saw out there was the Blake Bortles that we made jokes about for three years and had so much fun. That guy was on the field, and I don't think we learned anything about either of these teams because Bortles basically threw the game. I mean, he had a pick six. He threw another interception off his teammate's helmet that was inside the five-yard line. If they get a touchdown there and you don't have that pick six – all of a sudden, this game is dead even. So it's just like you don't know how good the Chiefs are because Blake Bortles was so bad that you don't know anything about either of these two teams. So I I just throw this game out the window. It means absolutely nothing to me. And I love the Rams win because no matter how much we thought they were going to win by, Seattle's an impossible place to play. They win at home all the time. And if you can beat the Seahawks in Seattle, that beats almost any other regular season win you could put on my platter. So vote nay on the Chiefs win. Vote yay on the Rams win. Isn't the Bortles performance though really revealing of the Jaguars? Because this is their quarterback from here on out, and at any moment he's capable of having these five turnover games. Oh, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think we learned a lot about the Jaguars or confirmation of what we already knew about them, which was when they get bad Bortles, they're not beating good teams. Well, I said before the season if the defense didn't play like a one or two defense they would probably not be a 10-win team, which is what they were last year, and they should have won more games. And I think we're actually glossing over the fact that Blake Bortles skipped the ball off his offensive lineman's helmet into someone else's hand in the end zone. And <laughs> I, I think that was one of the, the most insanely terrible plays I've seen 
probably this side of Ryan Tannehill, what he did on Sunday. <laughs> but I will say this, and someone put it this, pointed out on, on Twitter. I can't remember who it is, so I'm going to steal Brinson like their cre- uh, take credit for it. But I, I think that helmet skipping interception ranks up there with the butt fumble in terms of sheer stupidity uh, of a play that unfolds before your eyes. And you can't believe it happens. And um, once you see that, your first reaction shouldn't be, okay, we have to have Blake Bortles throw the ball 40 more times in order to overcome this. It should be we need to run the ball and maybe even have Blake Bortles sit out for a little bit. Yeah, it's concerning that the uh, the Jaguars have a quarterback who is more likely to lose them a game, I feel like, than win them a game. I don't think it's that's true. Close. I think really? Blake Bortles has actually played better this season than he has previously in previous seasons. It's just it's just there is no – He's replacement level, but there, he doesn't play at, at a medium level. He plays either pretty well or, or just the worst quarterback you've ever seen. And that's the issue that brings us back to the defense having to play out of their minds every week, and that's unsustainable. I so would, he's like half Tom Brady, half Ryan Leaf? Yeah, probably unfair to Ryan Leaf, but I think that's right. But like 70% Ryan Leaf and 30% Brady. Okay, like 4% Brady, 71% Andy Dalton. And and three percent Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> okay, I, I would buy that. Did you see the play where like I'm watching this right now on Twitter, but it's like the ball comes fluttering out of Blake Bortles' hands like a like, it's like nobody's around him. He throws it. It, it was rainy, so I get that, but it's just like this thing just comes out. It's just a wounded dead ass duck, and it's just flying all around. It's it's uh Bortles is fine. The Jaguars issue. I don't know. I mean, like. You can't, you just can't smack talk Tyreek Hill all week and then not show up and stop Tyreek Hill. And Patrick Mahomes is good. The Chiefs offense is unstoppable. Um, would you say, John Breach, that the Dolphins gagged or did the Bengals come back? Well, I've been saying for weeks that the Dolphins are going to have this collapse, but I'm not even going to put the gag on them. I'm going to put this win on the return of Vontaze Perfect. Just totally reigniting the spirit in the locker room. Did you see that second half? The Bengals looked like actual Tigers on the field. Tannehill didn't know what he was doing. We saw the most absurd interception of all time. It was even worse than Blake Bortles' off the helmet. I still don't know how it happened. Michael Johnson's pick six. It looked like Tannehill was trying to chuck it into the ground and somehow hit someone's foot or back and then bounced right into uh, Michael Johnson's hands. I mean, it was just crazy. So if I had to rank it, I say the Bengals defense put this one away. I mean, anytime you get two defensive touchdowns, that's impressive. Uh, the Bengals had not won a game after being shut out in the first half since 2004. They had never won a game when they're shut out and trailing by 14 or more at halftime. So this was just like, uh, you know, they've never won a playoff game. So we're just checking things off the list of things they've never done that they've now done. And so if we do want to say the Dolphins gagged it, I would put it on Tannehill for those two ugly turnovers but you know he's being pressured he didn't have a lot of room to play with so i'm gonna give the Bengals like 80 percent of the credit for the comeback and blame the other 20 percent on Tannehill. this game makes me so i've been mad about this game all day i had <laughs> the i had the dolphins plus six and a half in the super contest two two and one this week not great but yeah, it could be worse thanks texans thanks panthers thanks dolphins um the dolphins were up 17 nothing with six minutes to go in the third quarter and they lost by 10 points, 27 to 17. I mean, that's a, I'm not even mad. I'm amazed. Like how, how the F did you manage to do that? Like how did you give up 27 points in 21 minutes of game time? That's amazing. That's so pathetic. The Dolphins are a bunch of frauds. They're a joke. They should be fired into the, stuffed into a cannon and shot to Mars with Bill O'Brien and Jason Garrett's call sheet. 
I'm so annoyed by this. Kenny Drake finally got into the action, by the way. Seven catches, 69 yards, one touchdown, 12 carries, 63 yards. I mean, that's part of the problem, too. Like, if you're up 17 nothing, why, how on earth can you end up having, uh, 19 rushing attempts from three running backs? What are you doing, Ryan? What, I mean, what are you doing if you have 19 rushing attempts? I said last week against the, uh, Patriots that they were frauds because they didn't show up to that game. I, I think John's right. The Dolphins didn't play terribly for about 40 minutes. On Sunday, and then Ryan Tannehill just said "eff it" and started throwing balls as hard as he could into his teammates' back, and somehow finding their way into <laughs> to Bengals defensive players' hands as they sprint into the end zone. And I think John might be onto something, and I don't want to curse him uh, because, unlike John, who hates the Steelers, I actually pull for my good my good buddy Jim Breach and the Bengals. I like, but I, I think them. they I think this might be the season that they they put it all together. Twenty fifteen, I think this is their the best Jinx. start since. No, it's not. I mean, Brent, uh, Brent uh, Breach knows. Quite well, how things go with Cincinnati. I'm writing your name down on my hit list. Of course, I know it's it's already there. Um, but I mean, 2015 is their best start since 2015, when Andy Dalton was playing extremely well and got hurt there towards the end of the season. I think against the Steelers when he broke his hand, but we don't need to talk about that. But I mean, they, the the issues in the previous years. Wait, where the, they Andy, had to replace... the Andy Dalton injury came against the Steelers too. So Carson Palmer and Andy Dalton. Had Andy the... Dalton punched Steph to it in the leg and broke his hand. That's how he got hurt. It wasn't it wasn't anything untoward by the Steelers. On but, attack on interception. Like yeah, the, like the right. dirty ACL tear against Carson Palmer that ruined the Steelers. The Big O's going to win the Super Bowl that year. Instead, that was 2005. Instead, Bill Cower won the Super Bowl. So but here's the thing. In 2015, that. between now and 2015, the Bengals had to replace Mosinu, had to replace uh, – what's the guy's name for the Lions? Three Marvin Jones. Jones. Marvin Jones, two really good receivers. They took a while to, to do that, and they finally have. Even without Tyler Eifert, they have Tyler Croft. As long as someone's named Tyler playing tight end, they seem to be okay. <laughs> Joe Mixon's amazing. Uh, Vontez Perfect is back, even though he probably should be in jail for killing people. <laughs> but uh, they're a really good football team. And, and I think uh, we were sort of joking before the start of games on Sunday that the Bengals probably were the third best team of all the all the North teams in the AFC and NFC. I think they're higher than that. And I know, you know, I know that our buddy Sean is big on the Bears, but if, if the Bears are playing the, the Bengals in a neutral field in the daytime, I think I'm taking the Bengals. You know, I think – Brinson, not to give him credit because I hate doing that, but he actually had a really good tweet about the Bengals that he probably remember better than I do about how they look like the team that will make the playoffs <laughs> yeah. and lose in the first round. Well, I, mean, I don't know. If that's How's like, that original? No, I said they look. I was like, this. You gotta. It's the phrasing. It's like this looks like a team that can really win the AFC North this year and then lose in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, not the first round. They'll lose their first game. They'll end up being like the number two seed and they'll draw the Patriots in Cincinnati or something like. You that. You see John not smiling right now. Uh, hold on. If they drew, <laughs> if they if they got the two seed, that means they would make it to the divisional round for the first time since like 1990. So I think all Bengals fans would be happy with. A loss in that situation. They would lose. They losing their bye week. They had, a, they had a bye in 2015, right? No, they no, they, they struggled down the. They've AJ McCarron had to play in that game, and that's when all seven of uh, Marvin's uh, playoff losses have been the wild card rounds. So they've never even been to the divisional round. So at this point, I would take a bye and a loss. That just Rinson, makes it round. It's fine. The 2016 playoff game was was Breach sitting in a hotel room by himself in Texas watching. Montez Burfick ran out of the back of the end zone, and then those back-to-back personal foul penalties. And, and he's just grabbing. He's just, just I, spinning. I watched Carson Wentz play his final college football game. <laughs> That's right. You were like you were like a, a spaceman, like untethered, floating through space. Just like, yeah. what, what is happening to me? Um, Praying to go flying to the sun. <laughs> so would you take the – who do you think is better, Sean? Bears or the Bengals? If you had to pick up. 
A neutral field? I don't know. I think they're pretty evenly matched. That means, I, I that means the Bengals. That means I think the, the Bears have the better defense, but I would take the Bengals' offense over the Bears' offense. Would you it's trade, a non-answer, but would you trade? I don't know. Would you trade Mitchell Trubisky for oh, Andy God, Dalton? Would you trade Mitch Trubisky for Andy Dalton? No. How old's Andy Dalton? Forty. How, how old do you think he is? Thirty. Thirty-one. He is thirty. Yeah. No. Of course not. We're, well, we're he's talking about Mitchell Trubisky's six touchdown passes. Thank you very much. Let's, let's an NFL team in an NFL game. Well, well, Andy Dalton wears a plastic wedding ring and Mitchell Tr- and like helps kids. And Mitchell Tr- Trubisky just tweets about boobs. Okay, <laughs> so I don't I don't know what we're doing here. Um, well, Andy, Andy Dalton, Dalton would never tweet Twitter. Out. Andy Dalton didn't have Twitter back when Mitch Trubisky tweeted that. So let's let's cut the kids some slack, you know. Yeah, what a, what, a, what a creep that that Mr. Trubisky is. Um, <laughs> would you? I don't, did y'all see the end of the Panthers game? It was it was very bizarre. What was Ron Rivera doing? I don't now, know. He was Jason Garrett and Bill O'Brien. The Panthers had no. I mean, the Panthers should have won it if you look at the whole thing. But once the end of the game happened, they had no business winning that at all. Panthers should have won that game by thirty points. Like they should have blown right, the Giants right. out. Cam Newton kept letting them back in. The Giants were trying to get out of that game, and then it gets down to overtime. They they score. Saquon Barkley has an amazing flying touchdown pass to get over the top. Uh, the the Panthers end up with the ball um, on their own twenty five. They get twenty yards. On one play, they get into a third and one on the Giants' side, and they run a draw to Christian McCaffrey with no timeouts left. <laughs> he sort of gets a first down, but not really. Uh, Giants fans, including our boss Kevin, were freaking out about it. Um, they then don't review the play. Cam spikes it, and there's like six seconds left. They're like, well, I guess... We'll just kick this field goal and see if we can have the second longest field goal in NFL history. And Graham Gano smokes it straight down the middle. It would have been good from 85 yards. Panthers win 33-31. The Giants fall to 1-4. and four. The Panthers go to 3-1. and one. And now the Giants are dealing with this Odell Beckham drama that like Pat Shermer had this fiery post-game press conference. He's like, this is finito. It's done. I'm not talking about it anymore. Guys, they're playing again in four days. Against the it doesn't Eagles, matter. they can play in four days, four weeks, four months. They're still going to be terrible. And I am the person, as you very well know, who picked the Giants <laughs> to win the division. Jamie Eisenberg did too. I will say this: I don't. I think Odell Beckham is exactly right. Eli Manning is garbage. Yep. He is terrible. He actually played. You know what's funny? I was actually watching some of the highlights today that the ten minute clips that Sean pointed me to on NFL.com, and I, I was at a point in third quarter. I was like, you know what? Eli's actually making some. And the, before I got the thought out of my brain. He threw the worst interception to Michael Adams you've ever seen, only to be superseded by the next interception he threw to Michael Adams later. Michael Adams, by the way, is the exact same age as Eli Manning. That's how bad Eli Manning is as a 37-year-old. He can throw interceptions in an NFL football game to other 37-year-olds. He somehow finds them and throws these interceptions. He is garbage. And I think Odell Beckham was right to call him out. He shouldn't have called him out to Josina Anderson, ESPN, perhaps. Why was but, Little Wayne there? What was the what, what, what was happening? Why, why wouldn't Little Wayne? Why be there? wouldn't Little if, Wayne? But, but why, if I ever do an interview with Josina Anderson, Little Wayne's gonna be there. Let me tell you that. I just like like Odell's like ah, you know what would go over really well is like do an interview, a sit down ESPN interview with Little Wayne there. It's like, like did he say anything that that was wrong though? No, but you can't say that. You can't. Be why like, not? Why can't you say it? We spend all day crapping on these guys. That's what. That's all that our jobs are about. Right. And he I, he pointed out something. And look, we spend all. I don't podcasts, have to. I don't have to go and work with Jason Garrett. I can call him a Brenton, coward. We spend all podcast crapping on Sean. 
He's right there. We can see him. And I hate you guys. Though. See, you guys but we talk it out. But we're two thousand miles away from him. We don't have to see him in the locker room tomorrow. I mean, Eli what's the worst I'm going to do? Send you an Aria emoji on Slack? Mail us some milk. Okay, for okay, so he we agree that he was right in what he said. I'm fine with him saying publicly because at what what point does something change? Like, what has Sean, to happen? Sean, is that your form of vengeance to send an Arya Stark emoji in Slack? It was yeah. it was a joke, Princeton. It's <laughs> good one. You don't want to see. What do you, what is, you don't uh, want to see me angry. <laughs> Game of Thrones references aside, what does Odell Beckham have to do to to incite change at an organization that's truly horrible because the franchise quarterback can't be benched? Well, I mean, what if Eli tomorrow in a press conference is like, oh, yeah, I thought we were doing well, and then we got stopped on fourth down because our star receiver that we pay hundreds of million dollars to couldn't hold on to a ball I put right in his hands, and I couldn't have put it more in there if I'd handed it off to him. Or that same receiver who let a punt bounce off his foot that the Panthers recovered in the end zone, and this guy basically cost you a touchdown and dropped that easy pass. So it's like, you know, if if Eli Manning was passive-aggressive, which I don't think he is – but, I mean, if I was right. Eli Manning, that's the kind of stuff I would be saying in my press conference on Tuesday or Wednesday, and I would just blow this thing up. I would turn it into a soap opera. I mean, they should pick sides in the locker room. Just turn this into an all-out war because you know Odell does not care about Eli at all, and he would throw him under the bus any chance he got like he did Sunday. Are you, are you sure? Like, that's I feel fair, like, but, I mean, what are you supposed to – that doesn't change the fact that Eli sucks. Right. No. I feel like I feel like Eli Eli's like, listen, bro. I played with somebody who shot himself in the leg, okay? Like, like, you think I'm worried about what you're doing with Little Wayne on TV? Like, like Plaxico literally hey, went to jail because he shot himself. I'm not concerned you with you. I beat Brady twice. I'm not, uh, Eli does stink. He stinks. Where, where are we at where Odell Beckham is consoling Sterling Shepard for kicking the crap out of a bench on the side? That line? was where weird. We yeah, like, I, that's like DEFCON 4 in New York. I think, I think that's where we're at. Um, the Giants are dead, right? Giants are dead. Yeah, I mean Wilson wrote him off after week two, so I think we can all go ahead and is write him off now. Is there the any- things that have to happen for the Giants to get back in this thing involve about thirty-one other asteroids hitting other cities in the? In- <laughs> 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 the Giants have, uh, by the way, <laughs> man, it doesn't get much easier for the Giants. Fal- Eagles at home on Thursday, at the Falcons next uh, Monday night in Week Seven, oh. and then the Redskins at home in Week Eight on a short week. Before their week nine by very likely going to be uh, two and four, one and five. Two? Where are you getting the two from? I, uh, <laughs> one of those games. Maybe they'll win one of the, the Eagles. Let me big. ask quickly. Let me ask you this quickly. Two weeks. You said the Falcons. We saw what the Falcons. What happened to them in Pittsburgh today? How many points do you think this Giants team will score in? Atlanta in two weeks. Dude, they scored 30 points today for the first time since, since, uh, Tom Coffin was there. Like, they, they've had two, co- Ben McAdoo never scored 30 points? How the hell is that possible? Quite possible. Uh, will they score 17 points against that terrible yes, defense that yes. has four players? Yes, they will, they will score four. Okay. They will, yeah. Uh, by the way, speaking of the Falcons, we can talk about them because they went in. Congratulations, Ryan Wilson! We got happy Ryan tonight. The Falcons went into town and got curb stomped by the Pittsburgh Steelers. The final score of that game, he said, looking for it on the sheet. 41-17. 41-17. It hit the over. 
Woo! If you put it in early, 57 and a half, nailed that a little two-unit play. Very ecstatic about that. It didn't go as, what is high scoring as you thought? Monster day for James Conner. Four catches, 75 yards, 21 carries, 110 yards. Antonio Brown only caught about half of his passes, but he did catch two touchdown passes. Ben Roethlisberger, only 29 attempts, 250 yards, and three touchdowns. And everything is happy and right in Steelers land again. Well, you guys pointed this out in the first half, and you're exactly right. Roethlisberger was airmailing every th- pass he threw, uh, including to Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, anybody, J- Jesse James, who's like 6'8". Would you trade Maybe. Big Ben for Mitchell Trubisky right now? <laughs> of course. In a heartbeat. I wouldn't <laughs> wow, even think twice really? about it. Really? He settled, he settled – no, of course not. He settled down <laughs> in the second half. But uh the defense played better. But here's the thing. Like, I haven't watched a lot of the Falcons. I don't know if their offensive line magically stunk on Sunday or if it's been a recurring theme throughout the season, but they have nobody on defense. Like they literally have three guys and the rest they had to sign in, in emergency situations because they're all injured. So there's not a whole lot you can take away from the Falcons being terrible because they were terrible when they came into the game and they were banged up um, even more so than they were in previous weeks. So yeah, they got smoked, but I mean, uh, Matt Ryan got sacked six times. He got sacked so many times that TJ Watt is now tied for the lead in sacks, uh, in the NFL with his brother. That's really? how many times he got. Yeah, they both have six. Uh, the Watts have 12 total, if you can't do the math, Sean. So, um, <laughs> so here's the thing. So, uh, yeah, they won, but guess what? Uh, they're, t- they're still tied with the Browns. And uh, <laughs> Breach's uh, uh, Bengals are still in first place, and uh, I suppose the Ravens, that makes them in the middle there. So it's a, tight, it's a tight division, which is relatively interesting, and the teams are actually pretty good for the first time in a long time. They're all relatively decent, but there's no huge takeaway from the Steelers on this. And – Breach, as you all know, you know what next Sunday is. Well, so I know what next Sunday is. I didn't want to bring it up. And I'm just going to say this real quick. that At the beginning of the season, I said the Bengals would be good. They would make the playoffs, but they would get swept by the Steelers. And I'm not backing down from that. I'm just, I'm already writing this one off as a loss. And I'm, and I'm not even going to think about Why, it. Why though? Why? Based on what we've seen over the first five weeks. Well, it's I like, I think you guys should have to have a bet. So this game is at Cincinnati. That means it's fair. I mean, it's fair, dog. It's fair. Um, it'll be an, it'll be a nice even game. Bengals might be barely favored. Should be a fun shootout. Uh, I think you guys should have a bet. Like the loser has to sing next Sunday night some kind of song on this podcast. Yes, that would be a punishment for you guys. I would imagine. No, it would be hilarious. All right, so loser, whoever's team wins, this is the bet we're doing. Whoever's team wins, the they get to pick one song, and the loser has to sing a chorus of it. Wilson, do you know the Golden Girls theme song? Oh, God, come on, of course. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I I it's like your third favorite show. Yeah. But, but, so, yeah. by the way, we're going to, uh, we're, we're working on finding new music. Thank you for <laughs> being a friend. Well, no, you got to save it for next week. Don't, we're, no, oh, okay. no teases here. No teases. We're working on finding new music for the podcast. We're going to do something that's like a little funkier, maybe some horns, a little jam bandy. Um, and I was telling my wife about this and, uh, AK was like, we were driving to lunch today and she was like, I'll come up with some music for your stupid podcast. <laughs> And I was like, okay. She was like, she's like, here. She's like, set this to welcome to the jungle. I was like, welcome to the podcast. We've got sports, <laughs> we've got sports and booze. We pick all the games and you will be sure to lose in the podcast, in the podcast. And, uh, that's the welcome to the jungle. It's not terrible. Episode. You're not doing her, uh, the service that which she provided. Yeah. I like that. You know, now you guys, everyone in your Rose. house just wake up because that is the loudest thing I've ever. Heard of my that, wife, for instance. Was that hell out? Uh, I've been singing it all day. I can't get it out of my head. It's like, like, uh, and I'm going to do one with like a cursing version where I'm like, you're in the bleeping podcast now. Um, 
The other AFC North team that played football, the other two teams, they actually played each other, and the Cleveland Browns won another football game, beating the Baltimore Ravens 12-9. to Watch out, it's a scorcher. Baker Mayfield, first home start, 25 of 43. Gosh, 342 yards. This went to overtime, of course. One touchdown, one interception. David, yes, Ryan's showing me the Blake Portal start. It's terrible. Uh, David Njoku, <laughs> six catches, 69 yards. Jarvis Landry, five catches, 69 yards. Rashad Higgins, uh, Higgins had four catches, three catches, 66 yards. A lot of different spreading the ball around. Um, not the greatest effort in the world from Joe Flacco, who went 29 of 56 for 298 yards. Was this just about a, uh, two AFC North teams getting together? In, uh, in, 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 in a nasty weather town, cold weather town in October and having a slugfest and the Browns stealing one? Uh, I personally think that the Browns are my new favorite team to watch. I'm going to DVR every single game they play so I don't miss a play because have you guys watched every – I mean, every single game is just absolutely bonkers. You have the tie against the Steelers, that craziness against the Saints, uh, and then they beat the Jets for their first win in forever and the rally possum showed up. And obviously last week against the Raiders. And now this, and they went on a knuckleball field goal that had no business going in. I have seen field goals being kicked for my entire life. And I will tell you how often knuckleball field goal goes in, like 1% of the time. I don't even know how they're kickers in the NFL. So the thing is, I think the Browns are good. They've played every team. Every game has been close. And so I think this is indicative of that both these teams are good teams versus just being a AFC North slugfest. You know, I I would never have thought the Browns had any shot at eight and eight or nine and seven or whatever it is with the tie eight, seven and one. Uh, but I think watching these first five games, I would not be surprised at this point if they end up with seven or eight wins. Two things. The Browns should be five and oh breach. I think you might agree yeah. with that. Yeah, absolutely. And number two, our, our good buddy, Mary Kay Cabot from Cleveland.com actually tweeted this out uh, a couple hours ago. Apparently, Tony Jefferson confirmed to her that he got his hand on the ball, on the knuckleball kick. Uh, I'm sure that made him feel good to have to answer that question after the game. But uh, I guess that's the only way you explain it. Because I, I joked afterwards, he should have been cut Greg Daniels, Greg Josephs, the kicker, after kicking that winning field goal because it looked so terrible. But uh got it through. I don't know how. I don't think he wanted to be out there to, to attempt it. After the, uh, what was it, 54-yarder they put him out there for? In regulation, yeah. And you could tell... Not only by his body language, but obviously by the kick that almost went to the sidelines. That he wanted no part of that. And he had also missed an extra point too. So this is when he had been in overtime. He's hit his extra points. Yeah. So this team could be five and zero. Oh. I love Baker Mayfield. Uh, it makes you wonder why Tyrod was ever out there. But we're gonna have that conversation for the rest of the, the season. And I still think that he will probably get fired. Uh, maybe before week eight. They'd be five and zero oh if they had a competent coach. Yep. Um, with, what, let me ask you this. So rank where they would be with these coaches. Hugh Jackson, obviously we know. Todd Haley and Greg Williams. I don't, I don't think they'd be any better with this, you guys. What? So you're Maybe saying. Maybe Todd, okay, Todd Haley, I would, I'd, I'd give him a win for Todd Haley. Todd Haley took, the, took Matt Castle. I feel like he could have done more, but. This happened before you were born, Sean, but Todd Haley took Matt Castle to the playoffs. Who's Matt? <laughs> Who's Matt Castle? Joke. He went to the Pro Bowl, Sean. He went to the Pro Bowl. He's like a ba- he was he Patrick Mahomes. Was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes. That's right. That was Matt Castle. Um, and his last name's Castle, and there's Castles in Winterfell. He should be your favorite player, to be honest. <laughs> Sean, did y'all hear Sean talk about Favre and Mahomes on the podcast last week? He's yeah. like, look, Patrick Mahomes That's is just a 
He's just a better bread and bread. He's a better Brett Favre. What did Brett Favre ever do? It's like uh, he won three. Ceiling is higher than Brett Favre, is what I said. Brett Favre is like one of the ten greatest quarterbacks of all time. How can his ceiling be any higher? Hey, Brent, can I break the news? Real yeah. quick, uh, we were talking about Jerry Jones comparing the, the Cowboys to the Rams. Apparently he said after the game tonight that the Texans, uh, he loved DeAndre Hopkins. He would love to have a number one receiver. You have to get those guys when you have those opportunities. So, uh, you know, just points to the fact that the Cowboys have decided to take a different path and that's why they're terrible. Jason, uh, Garrett defended his, uh, punt decision, by the way. He said it was a long one yard. <laughs> you have a quarterback who's six feet tall and a yard can only be three feet. He's I, built I, like Leo Collins. How about you let him run? It's it's insane. Uh, another sloppy game along the lines of the Browns and Ravens was the Titans and the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills won thirteen to twelve. My Tennessee Titans struggled um, going in there. Marcus Mariota did not have a good game. Fourteen of twenty six for one hundred twenty nine yards and an interception. Uh, Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis were both ineffective in the ground game. Josh Allen had a rushing touchdown, and he also had one pick. And somebody named C. Bajorkas's, who I've never heard of, attempted a pass for the Buffalo Bills. Um, do you, oh, that was that was the punter. Yeah, I've never heard of that guy. Was, when he fell down, he fell you down. You saw that clip, right? No, I haven't seen it. Oh well, I, Breach. I don't know. You saw it. I know Breach. So the, I'm was, trying to. I'm trying to be a professional NFL writer who doesn't watch a single play by the Bills the entire season. <laughs> Fair enough. But he, it, they were attempting a field goal. Steve Hauschka lined up to kick a field goal. And I think this guy's a punter. He put the ball down and then had a brain fart. I don't know what happened. He picked the ball up, looked one way, looked the other, then started to run. And then as he was falling backwards, threw, he the, got ball hurt. Right, threw the ball with his right hand. I think he got banged up. But interestingly, I saw him on the sidelines later throwing the ball with his left hand. So he actually might be left-handed. And he decided to throw the ball with his right hand as he was going to the turf. Um, so... I think that sort of serves as a microcosm for the passing game uh, on Sunday because um, Greg Rosenthal, <laughs> NFL Network, tweeted out the Titans and the Bills combined for exactly 200 passing yards in a football game in 2018. That's disgusting. For the record, the uh, the punter threw one pass and it was obviously incomplete. He almost had just as good of a passer hitting as Josh Allen in that game, just from that one incomplete pass. So is that for is that for Prisco? Oh no, that's just that's for all the haters. What, what are you showing us? This is the video of the punter set to the yes. uh, Kirby enthusiasm. He did that, and he almost had as good a passer rating as Josh Allen. So before the Josh Allen supporters act like, oh, what a great win over this AFC contender, they won in spite of Josh Allen. It's, I get Josh Allen's supporting staff is bad and all that, but he has not looked good. Uh, Mariota was just as bad. This was just a horrible football game. Like you, I tried to avoid every single play from it. It's funny to hear you say that. You're like, the Josh Allen haters. <laughs> Sean's like greasing up his Twitter fingers. Like, I'm coming after you, haters. Haters gonna hate. I'm under, I'm under no illusions that Prisco listens to our Monday pod. Prisco doesn't listen to this podcast at all. He doesn't listen to him on the podcast. <laughs> He's a tan. I send him a copy of it. Every week, but I don't think he opens my emails either. So either way, we're not getting through. I and real quick. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I was just going to say that as the lone wolf who picked the bills to win this game, wow, John, uh, this played out exactly like the trash compactor that I thought it would. I predicted the final score 16 to 13 because, you know, I tell you guys this every week. I live in Nashville. I'm stuck watching the Titans offense every single week, which is why I probably look drunker every Sunday night because you cannot sit through four quarters of the Titans without self-medicating yourself. Uh, and, you know, they the first three quarters against the Eagles, they struggled. They finally, uh, you know, broke through a little bit to win that game. But it was just 
it was like watching, and Josh Allen's a rookie, so he has an excuse. The Bills offense kind of has it built an excuse, but the Titans were just as bad, and there's no excuse. You have Derrick Henry, you have Deion Lewis, you have a starting quarterback who was a top two pick. They should have things figured out by now, but they don't, and it's amazing that they don't. And I don't know, going into Buffalo and losing to a bad team is pretty embarrassing. I think the Bills have gotten lucky in the sense that the Titans have the Ravens, and the Chargers coming up next. And I think they were kind of looking ahead, just like the Vikings might have been when they hosted the Bills and they were looking ahead to the Rams. By the way, that was the lone game that I missed uh, so far this week in terms of picking the winner. That's the only one I didn't get right. 12-1. and one. Had I gotten the Bills, I'd be in pretty good shape. Oh, well, I did also get the – I got the Browns, by the way. Good for me. Uh, lone dog there. I got the Lions beating the Packers. Dave Richard also did that. We were the only two people doing that. Were you surprised, Ryan, that Aaron Rodgers and – Okay, actually, let's play a different game. Real or not real Aaron Rodgers wide receiver, Marquez Valdez-Scantling? I I have no idea. I've never heard of that guy. Is he the, is he the, is he the punter for the Bills? <laughs> no, he actually is a real wide receiver. He actually went to NC State for two years. Real or fake wide receiver name, Ryan? Equinomius St. Brown. That's real. I know. I know Equinomius. We go back. Okay. Uh, were you surprised that the Lions? Yeah, of course. Because, I mean, they played terribly except for when they played Bill Belichick, who I conspiratorially am convinced that they uh, Belichick gave Matt Patricia that win so he would not feel bad. So uh, maybe Mike McCarthy's doing the same thing. Uh, maybe there's more to the issues between Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers in terms of the offense. Um, but that has no bearing on how terrible that defense looked. Uh, mm-hmm. Kenny Galladay is legit, number one. We're yeah. not talking enough about that guy. I, I agree um, 100%. Very quickly, like – I, I had a, I was, I told people last week that I was going to stack Matthew Stafford and Kenny Galladay in DFS. They should have had three touchdowns. They, they, he ended up getting tackled to the one or was like PI or something like that. And like Garrett Blunt punched him in, but the, the Lions had their way with him and ended up winning 31-23 and it wasn't even that close. And on the play that he got down to the one, uh, on the way to the one, he abused uh, number 37, who I don't know who that is off the top of my head, but he also, uh, gave Haha Clinton Dix the Vance McDonald treatment to the turf. He Chris Conte'd him, and that pretty much puts an exclamation point on how Haha Clinton Dix's career has gone. Josh Jackson, and, by the way. Josh Jackson, thank you. Who was a high round pick? Which brings me back to the other point. They've spent the last two drafts taking uh, defensive backs relatively high, um, and with mixed success. I know it takes time, but the idea was to fix the secondary, and it was a great idea. It just hasn't worked. And when you're getting exposed by Matthew Stafford, uh, who's a good quarterback, but on a team that has been not great this season, that points to bigger issues. And, and perhaps the biggest winner at all this, other than Sean's uh, Mr. Trubisky Bears, is the Vikings now have a chance to sort of get back in the mix after, as you just mentioned, getting blown out somehow by, by the Bills a couple weeks ago. The uh, the Packers are 2-2-1. Two, two and one. The Vikings are 2-2-1. Two, two and one. The Lions got a chance to get back in the mix too. They're two and three with wins over the, I mean, they got wins over the Packers and wins over the Patriots. Uh, the Bears. Who are, are the Lions though? Matthew Stafford. They've got good skill position players. Like you were just talking about. Galladay, uh, Marvin Tate, Golden, Golden Tate, Marvin might be Jones, the best Golden Tate. receiver. Marvin Jones is a good deep threat. They've got weapons. My concern with them going into the season was the pass rush. And I still think that defense is concerning. They obviously got to Rodgers a bit today. Um, I didn't watch that much of the game. But if they can get after the quarterback, I don't think they're a bad team. Before this season, I thought they were just a very mediocre team, and then they looked 
awful to start the year, and I kind of wrote them off. But they have like the, they have the weapons, I think, to put up points. And I'll, I'll say this too: their schedule is very interesting because they they get their bye in week six. The Lions do. Then they're at the Dolphins in week seven. It's a team that Matt Patricia knows pretty well. They get the Seahawks at home in week eight, and then they're at the Vikings and at the Bears in weeks nine and ten. So like, if you can make some noise in those four weeks. And go win two or win three of those games, you're right back in it. Now that might not happen. Um, John, would you cut Aaron Rodgers? I would cut Mason Crosby if that's what you meant. Yes, that is what I meant. Because oh my god, I can't even believe what you know. Like this guy, this is not like the curse of the Chargers, and they're just bringing in garbage kickers who haven't kicked in a year, and and that's going to happen. Or the Browns bringing in Greg Joseph, who had never kicked in the NFL before. This is Mason Crosby, who is a veteran kicker, kicking indoors, no distractions, and he couldn't hit anything. This might have been the worst kicking performance I've ever seen. It was just miss after miss after miss. And when you cost your team, what, 12 points in a game you lost? Oh, yeah, yeah, there's an extra point. You cost your team 13 points in a game you lost by eight. I mean, we talked about how awkward it's going to be with Odell and Eli in the locker room this week. Like, how are you walking in that locker room if you're Mason Crosby, you know, tomorrow or Tuesday? How can you look anyone in the eye? That was just one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. Do you think, he like, do you think he like, do you think he like pull, like he's going to park and like, like not, he's going to like miss the parking space a little bit and like Aaron Rodgers stand there just like, you well, what does it say that Mike McCarthy sent him out there with like That's one it. second to go to kick a field goal? Um, do you do you pull a Scottie Pippen and say I'm staying on the bench? I'm not going <laughs> it, out there it, felt, it felt like a goal, uh, like a hockey coach, like refusing to pull the goaltender who's given up six goals in two periods, and you're supposed to pull him, and they kept on setting him out for like long kicks. It's like he can't make a field goal. You have Aaron Rodgers, just go for it. You're down big. Yeah. It felt like they were trying to humiliate him. Maybe they were. Mission accomplished. <laughs> yes, seriously. Uh, the, so the Lions win that 31-23, and yes, if they, they made those kicks, they would have, they would have gone on and won that game. A huge win for the New York Jets. Isaiah Crowell on the bench in my fantasy team. Screw you, Fernelli, for tweeting that out and letting the whole world know I'm an idiot. Isaiah Crowell, 15 carries, 219 yards, one touchdown. Robbie Anderson, five targets, three catches, 123 yards, and two TDs as the Jets and Sam Darnold rolled over the Viking, rolled over the, the Broncos, excuse me. Is it possible that the Broncos defense stinks now? Here, let me read to you what our buddy, uh, Nikki Jabala from The Athletic tweeted out. I don't even know. I don't think the game was over at this point because it was six scoring drives by the Jets so far. She tweets, and here it is. 77-yard TD catch, 76-yard TD catch, 35-yard TD catch, 54-yard run, 51-yard punt return, 36-yard run, 38-yard run, 20-yard TD catch. Uh, and so I don't think the game was over at that point. So I think that tells you all you need to know. It was special teams too. Um, but I don't know what happened. Uh, the defense was supposed to be sort of the anchor of this team. Case Keenum does not look very good in – I think we all were sort of concerned about that going into the season. It wasn't like we expected him to play like he did last year in Minnesota. But I think John Elway is back to the drawing board in terms of trying to figure out what to do with the quarterback situation, and I don't know what the answer is um, now or in the next few months once the uh, offseason rolls around. Colin Kaepernick? <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? John Elway would rather go before Senate for six hours and have to answer questions about what he did in college than, than sign Colin Kaepernick. I like beer. What do you drink, Senator? What do you drink? Um, 
Sure. Prince, I will say you shouldn't feel dumb for having Crowell on your bench because, like, the dude had zero yards last week. Literally zero. I mean, no one in the right mind would start a guy who's coming off a zero-yard performance. There was nothing to indicate he was just going to show up and put up 219 yards. And the crazy thing is this blowout could have been worse. I, the Broncos got their first touchdown off a Jets fumble inside, like, the 10-yard line. So they just walked in for the first score. If they don't have that, I mean, this final score should have been like 34 to 6. Or if, uh, if our dude at the end of the game returns the interception for a touchdown and doesn't get tackled at the one yard line, then we're looking at 41 to 6 or 41 to 9. I mean, this was just a beatdown. You were just talking about, uh, someone else looking ahead with the Bills getting teams that are looking ahead or back. And I feel like that's kind of what happened here. You had the Broncos coming off a Monday night game where they played the Chiefs really, really well. You put all your energy into that. You got to fly across the country, halfway across the country on a short week and, it was just an upset waiting to happen. I'll tell you what, the Broncos are in a bad spot because not only um, did they lose this game, so they've lost two in a row. They're now two and three. Um, they have a really rough schedule coming up, and they might just stink. Uh, they have the they have the Rams at home coming up next week. Then they get the uh, then they get four days before they have to go to Arizona and play on a Thursday night against a Cardinals team that's at least been a pain and turns stuff into like a, a, a slugfest. Then they get the Chiefs on the road ten days later. Then they get the Texans at home. Um, then they get the Chargers on the road, and then the Steelers at home. This is this, is Vance Joseph going to be the first coach fired? Uh, not if uh, who's I just mentioned? Not if Jason Garrett. Jason Jason Garrett can't get fired. Who were we just talking about? That someone should that uh, who's the last Hugh, Hugh Jackson? No, not even Hugh Jackson. I don't remember who it was. Any, did you guys? By the way, Breach touched on it, but did you see the Marcus May interception at the end of that game, Brenton? Uh, no, huh? Yeah, yeah. Sean saw it. So uh, I don't watch. He intercepted in the like end zone, like and he waddled his way, sashayed his way to the other other end of the field. I actually timed it because it took so long. The game <laughs> he ran was out. cruising there at the end. How many, how many seconds do you think it took him to tra- traverse probably 103 yards? It was, by the way, I think the longest interception return without a touchdown. or 104 yards. How, how many seconds would you <laughs> guess it took? Uh, oh my god, it's like 20, 14. It's like 25 or 21 something. seconds. No way. He was, he was moonwalking by the end. He was so tired. I saw it and I thought the entire, once he crossed the 40, he was going so slow that I thought he was getting ready to just take a knee and just, you know, call it, let's not rub it in. And then he kept on going and then I thought he was coasting. So I was like, oh, the Broncos gave up trying to tackle him. But it turns out he was just running full speed. I think he said after the game he needs to get in better shape. So he had on, I would agree. How on earth is he a safety in the NFL? He looks like me and one of my friends, like unnecessarily <laughs> thick-bodied. Um, it looked like a 40-yard dash against me a couple years ago. Mm, oh, no. <laughs> Shots fired by the 27-year-old That's nerd. Odell and Eli right there. That's right. See, we have it. <laughs> Passive-aggressive uh, at best. I guess that means I'm the young superstar wide receiver. Is that how that works? Um no, no? Okay. Uh, You're Pat Shermer. <laughs> Ouch. Jesus, that's cold, man. Go straight to the heart, Brent. Oh, geez, Wilson. The uh, three more games we'll get to. You guys are going anywhere. Chargers stomped the Oakland Raiders. It's October, baby, and my Chargers are back. I bailed on them in the Super Contest. I'm mad about it, but uh, I'm, I'm starting to fall back in love with these Chargers. They looked very good. Phillip Rivers, 22 of 27 for 339 and a pair of touchdowns. My goodness. Eight Catches 90 yards for Keenan Allen, 26-10. Chargers win. Derek Carr threw another terrible interception on the one-yard line. He's bad, Sean. He's bad. And we've been making fun of the uh, the Tannehill pick, the Bortles pick. 
This one didn't look as bad because there were no helmet bounces involved. But, but in it's terms of worse. decision making, yeah. you can understand Tannehill's not expecting it to bounce off a helmet and go into someone's arms. Bortles obviously isn't trying to hit his teammate in the helmet. He just can't throw the football. This was just a second and goal from inside the five-yard line out of the pocket. No one's open. And he just lost it up to the defensive back in the end zone. Um, Derek Carr was terrible. I'm over the Raiders. I'm over Derek Carr. They're going to bench him at some point. They they traded for a backup quarterback. It's not like they have some guy back there that they don't like. You gave him a fifth-round pick, right, for A.J. McCarron? Like, Gruden, I'm not saying A.J. McCarron's better than Derek Carr. He's not. But John Gruden apparently thinks something there to give up a fifth round pick. And if Derek Carr keeps playing like this and the Raiders are one and seven, I think we might see AJ McCarron, who by the way, after he got traded, said, God forbid I get in there. So that will be the experience that we're all looking for. By the way, uh June twenty seventeen, right after the Raiders brought in Marshawn, here's what Derek Carr said according to our, our buddies at Bleach Report. There's uh there's no way we'll be on the one yard line <laughs> and I won't give it to Marshawn. Here's the uh, here's here's the full quote. Uh, I just found it as well. There's no way we'll be on the one-yard line. I won't give it to Marshawn. I'll throw it. None of that stuff. I don't care about the stats. That's not my number one objective. I don't care if I throw 10 touchdowns next year. If we win every game, that's all I care about. Bad news, Derek. You're not winning every game because your team stinks. And I feel like John Gruden is – John Gruden's like, man, I mean, what? Like, John, I don't think John Gruden cares. How, I think John Gruden wants to lose games this year. Like, I think Why? Because I think he wants high draft picks heading into Oakland. Cause he can't. Let me, I ask you that for one reason, uh, heading into Las Vegas. Vegas, yes, excuse me. I ask you that for one reason because, uh, in my weekly mock draft, which I will start pimping regularly on the show, uh, <laughs> last, last week I had, had the Raiders pick at number six. I had him taking a quarterback. Just because, as you pointed out to me, Brinson, there are no wrong mock, mock drafts. You can say whatever you want. Also, I traded, I traded, I traded, early, I, traded early I traded Kirk Cousins, Philip Rivers, yeah, and exactly. Andrew Luck in my mock drafts the last three I years. spent most of last week and I don't tweet much, as you guys know, reading tweets from angry Raiders fans that there's no <laughs> way on God's green earth that John Gruden hates Derek Carr, that he would bench Derek Carr. Derek Carr's completing 70% of his passes. And these were how the tweets went for most of the, most of the week. And that's fine. You can certainly be angry about that. But after watching him today, I, I was, again, reminded that he throws a lot of terrible passes. He completes 70% of passes, and some of them are okay. But the 30% are horrible and usually end up costing his team uh, the game. Uh, that said, the defense sucks too. But I mean, he's not doing any that that team any favors or John Gruden. Oh, I think there's a ninety three point five percent chance that John Gruden uses one of the four first round picks he's got in the next two years on a quarterback at some point in time. I can see him taking Will Greer. I can see him taking Ryan Finley. Like I can see Ryan Finley would be perfect for his West Coast system. Will Greer is like a feisty guy who'd be perfect for Vegas. I think he drafts a quarterback and they got out and in Derek. I don't think they're drafting guys that are perfect for Vegas. That might be a bad idea. So Gruden's a lunatic. He'll do it. He's 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 drafting his guy. He always passed on the guys in Tampa Bay, and he's going to get his guy. I'm telling you. So does Reggie McKenzie get fired before Pat Shermer or after? Reggie quits. He quits this offseason and walks away. That's what he, he quits on November 1st. Uh, Over Jan- under. Uh, January 1st, I think. I yeah, think, okay, fine. January I think 1st. he's going to ride it out and just be like, yeah, I think I'm going to just take a, take a day off. Uh, the Chargers are good. Chargers are right there in the AFC West. Chargers are right there in the AFC. They should be fine. They are three and two. They survived the gauntlet that is September. Minnesota Vikings go into Philadelphia and beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Where you at now? Hi, haters. Where you at? Eagles fall to two and three, twenty three, twenty one. Vikings move to two, two and one. Kirk Cousins 
Your boy, Ryan Wilson, had another outstanding day. Adam Thielen became the first wide receiver in NFL history to, is this right? The first wide receiver in NFL history to start the season with five straight 100 yard games? Passing He ain't Randy playing Wilson. around. He ain't playing around. He's great. No, Kirk Cousins played extremely well. We used to call him Kirby when he was terrible a few years ago. He's he Kirk. Is, He's Kirk. He is Kirk or Kurt if you're, uh, Bruce <laughs> Allen. Either one he will answer to. Yeah, I don't know what to make of the team. I think this, I feel like we say it every year, but this has been a really weird season in terms of games. We already talked about the Bills today. They won. The Vikings lost the Bills a few weeks ago, and then they, they won. Um, I don't know what to make of the Eagles. Their offensive line is terrible. Carson Wentz might be okay, but it's hard to tell because he has half a second to throw the ball every time he drops back. Um, so there's like Detroit beat Green Bay. It's just one thing after the next. And, you know, we talked about the uh, NFC North earlier. I think this is good news for, for the Vikings. Um, they were one, two, and one. They, a lot of people probably thought they were going to be one, three, and one after uh, the Eagles game. Now they're not. They have the same record as the uh, the great Steelers at two, two, and one, and the great Browns. But I think, uh, <laughs> other than the, despite the uh, as compared to those other two teams, I think the Vikings are legit and they have a chance to be really good. Uh, Their offensive defense. line is a major, major problem. But I think a lot of teams can say that it's just a matter of how you manage it. I mean, a lot of teams have terrible offensive lines. And it's just a matter of how you, you get around it. Kirk Cousins made a lot of throws under duress on Sunday, and, and that can't happen every week in terms of it being successful. So, you know, that's something you have to sort out. I would imagine that Mike Zimmer is less concerned about the offensive line than he was about the defense getting torched um, last week, maybe it was. I don't remember. They gave him so many yards, he couldn't believe it. Um, but I, I think in terms of prioritizing, I think he's probably happier about the defense playing better than um, than having to worry about keeping Kirk Cousins healthy. Sean, anything you want to weigh on, John? Um, oh, John or Sean? Either one. Sean, John. Go for it, John. Puff Daddy. You know what? I was just going to throw in that uh, all this – I'm just all kicker news today – was that Dan Bailey came out and had a bad game. He missed two field goals. almost cost the Vikings the game. And so I don't know what i do because Zimmer clearly hates kickers. He really does. Uh, it's wild. I mean, it is like nobody has more hatred for kickers than Mike Zimmer. But if you are the Vikings and, and you want to be – and, and I, the Packers have the same problem. Today. We already talked about it. But you got to have somebody reliable there, especially because the NFC North is so up for grabs this year. The, anybody might lose it by a game. Your kicker might cost it for you. Uh, but I do think the Eagles also aren't as good as we thought, whether it was we had to watch Nick Foles. <clears throat> Except for Brinson, who picked him last place. Was it last place? No, I just said, Second they, said they missed the playoffs. Earlier yeah. on this pod, though, he said that the Eagles are still going to win the NFC East, though. So he's playing every possible lane here. That's calling out Brinson. A young mind right here. Yeah, I just think – I don't think Carson Wentz has looked good. I think that I'm going to end up getting screwed because I'm going to be like, oh, the Redskins are going to win the division, and then Carson Wentz will storm back. Wentz is starting to look better, but I just don't think they're there yet. Their offensive line didn't play great. Their running game in there. Zach, like Every single Eagles offensive play is just a dump off over the middle to a wide-open Zach Ertz. Like, he, he's just right in the middle of the field, wide open every time, and Carson Wentz just dumps it off to him. 11, 11 targets, 10 catches, 110 yards, and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs had 11 targets, 10 catches, 91 yards, no score, but made some great throws. I mean, that offense is fun to watch. Um, Linville Joseph, by the way, that touchdown he ran in, I mean, he ran like 74 yards, and then he had to, he went and put on his sunglasses and his little hat, 
and he was taking oxygen, oxygen mask. on the sideline. It was fantastic. By the way, he, he is faster than the than the Jets. Exactly. He he is about two tenths of a second faster on his forty. That's than what Sean looked like running the forty. Level Joseph out there. Uh, final <laughs> game that we'll talk about: Cardinals twenty-eight. 49ers, 18. Cardinals get their first one of the season. They're one and four. They got up 16 points and like, like Steve Wilkes starts taking off his headset and shaking everybody's hand and high five. And it's like, dude, you're up two scores. It's like, it's like two and a half, two, three minutes left. Like they can come back and score. Josh Rosen, 10 of 25, 170 yards and a touchdown. Had a great 75 yard touchdown pass to Christian Kirk where he stayed in the pocket, moved around, looked downfield and threw it. Uh, I'm going to throw this out, guys. If C.J. Beathard throws, attempts 54 passes, you're probably not winning the game. Does that seem fair? I would like to apologize to the Seattle Seahawks because at the beginning of the season I said they were going to finish last in the division. I thought they had blown things up to the point where there was no coming back in 2018. Um, the Cardinals are a train wreck. and They're better with Josh Rosen. The, the lesson is you don't start Sam Bradford. Uh, so you put Josh Rosen out there. All the rookie quarterbacks that played uh, that started on Sunday won on Sunday, so that's a, a, a mm. good development, I suppose. Great stat. But um, I don't know how this team that was 8-8 eight eight last year with no quarterback is suddenly terrible. Um, so here they are. I don't know what to make of Sean them. Sean apparently knows. You know what it is? It's, they're not using David Johnson correctly. It's, correct. I, it, it's so That's the only thing? Yes. I mean, I mean, okay. No, that's not the only reason because David Johnson barely played last year. But they are wasting David Johnson was going to be my point. And it is infuriating to watch them because the amount of times they just line up under center and just hand the ball to David Johnson up the middle is infuriating. And they do it on third and one. And that's, I'm sorry, if you have David Johnson, you don't want to be pounding the ball into heavy formation with him. You want to be spreading him out, getting mismatches against linebackers. He is the only running back who can actually run wide receiver routes. And that's on a slight against Le'Veon Bell and guys like that. It's just James he, Connor. You know, it is a slight against James Connor. James Connor's not running the routes David Johnson runs, which are actual wide receiver routes if you look at his PFF charts and like where he's catching the ball in previous seasons. He caught two passes for 16 yards, was targeted three times. How, with that offense, I don't understand how he's not leading the team in touches every single week and not getting more than three targets in the passing game. It, it, it's puzzling to me because I understand you get a new coach and Bruce Aarons is gone, but the one thing that I feel like you shouldn't be changing going in is how you're using David Johnson. It seems like they can't figure out how to use him, and the blueprint is there. It, just go watch previous seasons and use them how Bruce Arians was using them. <laughs> and I mean, I, Steve Walsh just got hired, but is there a chance he gets fired after one year? Yes. Uh, I would say yes, but also, you know, who's nodding their head and agreeing with everything you're saying, Sean, is Broncos and Chargers fans because they're like, oh, welcome to the world, Mike McCoy, who has no clue what he's doing, but now he's an offensive genius, and so people keep hiring him where it's almost like he held Phillip Rivers back during the whole time he was there. Then the Broncos hired him as an offensive coordinator, and and, you know now he's in Arizona, and he's the guy that you're going to blame for not using David Johnson correctly. And it's just like like you just said, did he not watch any film on the Cardinals at all before taking this job? Or did he just say, you know, I'm going to go in and do whatever I want. I'm going to have my rookie quarterback throw the ball 25 times. I'm going to ignore the best player on our team. Like, this is just horrible strategizing. So... It's it's amazing that Mike McCoy joined a team without knowing the players that are on the roster. So uh, last year, David John, this year David Johnson has uh, twenty two targets and fifteen catches for a hundred and a uh, hundred and twenty yards. Last year he had 
Nine targets and six catches for 67 yards. He played in one game last year. Also, for the last two years, he's entered the season talking about how he wants to become the third player ever to have a 1,000 receiving yards and a 1,000 rushing yards. And before he got hurt last year, it was a legitimate goal that people were talking about, about how this guy could do it. And now he's catching two passes for 16 yards. It's nuts. It's, they're using, they're terrible. They're, Mike McCoy. They're ruining him. Yeah. They're, they're murdering us who owned him in fantasy. And Mike McCoy is a bad offensive coordinator. Uh, and it's very infuriating to watch and hopefully they'll fix it. They've gotten a little bit better. Like he scored twice. They're at least using him, but they're not using him enough in the passing game. I believe that is every game that we covered, uh, for the week. Did I miss any games? Did I miss anything you guys want to talk about? I just want to give a quick brief shout out to Sean McVay nope. Nope. and Doug Peterson for, uh, moving the game forward. Making a couple. Well, hold, on, hold on, let's 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 make this. So little, this was like my FaceTime, you know. It is your FaceTime, but but I'm gonna we're gonna make a little segment at the end. All it's right. gonna be Sean's Big Milk Hero of the Week. Who is it, Sean? I gotta pick one. You can pick whoever you I'll, 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 I'll pick segment. Sean McVay because because they actually got the win. But you know the anti Jason Garrett. We're gonna get a soundbite. We're gonna get a soundbite for this too. It's gonna be like, Sean, Big Sean's Big Milk <laughs> Hero of the Week of the Sunday, Year. Sunday, it's Sunday. Sponsored by some alternative milk, like soy milk or goat milk or something. Yeah, or like farm to table organic milk that they have in Oakland. Big Sean's Anyways, Big Milk. Shout out, shout out big to those hero two coaches of the week. because they ignored common convention. What coaches like Jason Garrett want to do, Bill O'Brien, oh, all those Sean. guys want to do, and you have the you have the Rams. Up to near midfield, having a fourth down at the end of the game. If they don't get it, the Seahawks are probably going to have a chance with Seabass to kick a game-winning field goal. And he does a quarterback sneak, which is one of the most undefeated plays in football when you just need one yard. Almost never fails. And he gets the first down, win the game, game over. Don't have to worry about Russell Wilson um, ruining your win. And then you have Doug Peterson. And this one flew under the radar, I feel like, a bit more because the Eagles lost and didn't matter. But you had them down 14 and score a touchdown in the fourth quarter. And instead of kicking the extra point to go down seven, he goes for two. They get it. And what that makes you do is you're suddenly down six and you have a shot to win the game. And I know there are a lot of people on Twitter uh, not really understanding the decision to go for two there. Because Who are you talking about? Down eight. Name, uh, name. Say a name. Rhymes with Nisco, Lisco, something like that. Disco. Uh, but I think the whole idea behind it is you are giving yourself – if you don't get the two-point conversion the first time, you still have a chance to tie the game later with a two-point conversion. All you got to do is go one for two. And I think if you were to look at the stats, I, I would imagine, and I know some people have written articles on this to back it up, that the, the rate of two-point conversions is you're going to get one of two. And so the downside is that you're just going to tie the game most likely. And the upside is undeniable that you get a chance to win by one. Didn't work out for the Eagles, but shout out to Doug Peterson um, for doing something that – I don't think a lot of coaches would even consider. Well, and also the flip side of that math right there is that they scored with 12 minutes left in the game. So now you, the field goals are also in play. Next time you get downfield, yep. you know, if you're down seven, you're down three field goals, you're not going to bother kicking a field goal if you're back in Vikings territory with eight minutes left because you have to go for it at that point. But if you're down six, you might get two more possessions in a 12 minute game left in the fourth quarter. And I'm glad you stole my Sean McVay Big Milk Award because, you know, I was talking to you guys about how many coaches in the NFL do make the call that Sean McVay did. I, I think this is one of the biggest onion calls we've seen in the NFL. You know, like uh, Doug Peterson made some crazy calls last year. They worked out. Like, 
analytically smart calls. But what Sean McVay did today took all of that to the next level. It was like uh, it wasn't even midfield. He was at his own 42-yard line. So if he fails, that's already a 59-yard field goal for Janikowski. So you literally need like five more yards. If they don't get that, the Seahawks need five yards to try a potential game-winning field goal. So like this was another level of amazing. And you know, I was telling you guys, I think McVay is one of maybe three or four coaches that would have had the onions to make that call in the NFL right now. Ryan, your big milk hero of the week is? Um, it's not a hero so much. I have a question. Uh, Mike Tomlin said after the game, he's on the competition committee, and he said that the he is not happy with the way the rules are being officiated and being enforced. He says costing people uh, games and potentially jobs. Now, the game I watched, the Steelers, when I watched the Steelers, they're the most penalized team in football. Twice, um, Bud Dupree was, was flagged for hands to the face, which clearly looked hands to the face to me. I don't know if you guys saw TJ Watt sort of graze Matt Ryan's knees. Matt Ryan went down like he got, he got shot. He did not. And that was, he was penalized for a rough and pass with a low hit. I don't, I don't feel like the, the game's being officiated any more terribly than it has been in years past, especially since now they've stopped calling these stupid rough and passer penalties. I was wondering if you guys had thoughts on, on the direction of the officiating. I think that, yeah, I mean, I would say that I am annoyed by the fact that there's every three seconds there's something stupid happening and there's no way for the central command group to, to overturn it most of the time. Like, they need to be able to say, hey, look, hold on, stop what you're doing. We can fix this with basic common sense and by hitting pause for 30 seconds and let us tell you how to, how to, how to adjudicate, you know, how to, how to deal with this whole thing. Adjudicate, excuse me. And, um, adjudicate, what the hell is that? And, uh, and, and as a result, like, you know, like somebody be like, hey, what, like, what's the deal with this situation? They're like, well, we actually can't do anything about that. And it just feels like these refs have too much on their plate. And the NFL needs to do a better job of taking away some of the issues that they have, letting centralized replay deal with it, and then letting these individual refs really focus on one to ten key things to make the game better. That would be my take. They didn't, they didn't, they, they still haven't fixed the catch rule. So, like, it's, I, I don't disagree with Mike Tomlin, but I have a hard time getting worked up about it because I've just kind of accepted this is just the state of officiating in the NFL. And the games are still entertaining without it, and I think the calls go against both teams pretty equally, and it's just something you just ha- kind of have to live with. So I just I feel like ever since the catch rule, I've just given up on the idea that it will be a well-officiated game that makes sense. And you know what? I it's, Unless it's happening to your favorite team, I think it kind of adds to it. Like, I think it can be kind of fun, unpredictable. And I, I just I feel like I'm so like jaded by it that I've stopped caring about it. Mm. I'm not jaded at all. I just ignore the officials. And if they make me angry, I, instead of getting angry at them, I harness it and get mad at Brenton. That's it's just, nice. that's how I do it. I'll borrow that one. Good stuff it's, guys. Um, all right. That's it for the podcast. Follow the podcast at pick six pod. We have the weekly NFL smack chat that comes out. You got to check that out. It's hilarious stuff. John breach at John breach on Twitter. Sean, at Sean J. Wagner and at Ryan Wilson underscore 07. Thanks as always, guys. It's a blast.